Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right, Tony, what's going on, man? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm here with you drinking from my coffee cup with my cat on it. Me? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I heard you're buying your neighbor's house. Yeah. Bought. Bought it. Closed it. Last Friday. Closed it. Super easy. Mostly. Nice, man. Yeah. We're uh, trying to refire our duplex right now. So that's, I'm getting a lot of phone calls from numbers I don't recognize. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, do any princess, Nigerian princess with (laughs) much money for you? uh no just just give them your social over craigslist yeah <laughs> what could go wrong exactly <laughs> other tips on how to refi your net well your net worth away private lenders they're, they're available <laughs> super private yeah hard money well uh, anyway uh what's what do we have on tap today questions wise so today we got kevin calling in about some contractors we got rich <laughs> calling in about some a pretty tough question actually about dog poop and then ivan has some uh, uh he's in a good situation he's got he's got champagne problems he's got tenants he wants to keep so we'll be running why would those. you want to do that keep your tenants <laughs> just kidding 99 <laughs> percent uh, of them are good yeah, yeah. It, it is the five percent that ruin everything though it's like math yeah one five yeah. 95 percent are good one i actually heard tenants toilets and termites are the three t's that ruin your life uh, yeah, termites kind of depend on your market, but that's a conversation for another day. All right, for another day. Well, with that, let's get, uh, we actually got Kevin calling in, so let's jump over to him. Cool. Hey, Tony, this is Kevin. I'm a real estate investor in the Los Angeles, California area, and wanted to ask about contractors. So I've been having some work done in the guest unit that's attached to my primary residence. I'm planning to rent it out as an Airbnb unit. And the contractors that I've been working with have trouble uh, meeting their commitments, uh, showing up on time, and then completing all of the work as agreed upon. What tips do you have for working with contractors, um, getting work done on time, and holding them accountable? Thank you. I don't know if you've ever seen Jerry Maguire, but show me the money. Basically, with the contractors, it's all about when you pay them. So up front with them, you should tell them that they can charge you up front whatever it costs for materials. That's fine. They should be able to buy the materials with a deposit of some sort if necessary. But anything more than that is completely unnecessary. And if you're paying them that up front, then they have no incentive to keep going. Also, I think that draws on a payment schedule on a larger job are perfectly fine to use. For instance, if they complete one aspect, continue the next, continue the next, continue the next. Additionally, on some larger things, I've done stuff like put a due date on the contract for when the job's supposed to be done. And then if they finish early, I have a bonus on the contract, like they might get an extra $500 or something. 
but then if they finish late, I knock time off from that. Additionally, I've told them that if they're dragging too slow, I'm going to hire my handyman or an outside handyman to finish the punch list and then deduct it from their pay. I don't do that that often. It is an option, but if you have somebody that started, that's one of the only ways to get it done is with the actual money. The longer term way to sort this out is just pay good people what they're worth. Continue to keep your contractors loyal to you. Give them jobs. Pay them the day after. Make sure that you're a valued customer and they will return those favors with good work and on-time work and everything like that. As far as holding them accountable, though, it's really about the cash. Don't pay them if the work's not done. Yeah, we've also found that in our experience, if you don't get the 1099 before you give that final payment to the contractor, you're never going to get it. So chase that down before you give them their final payment as well. Yeah, pretty much. Got to get that in or you're never going to get it. You may as well have just been shredded before they sent it to you. (laughs) All right. So that was good advice. Let's uh, switch to uh, some dog poop issues with Rich. Hi there. This is Rich from Albany, New York. My question for you is I have a dog poop issue. My tenants constantly send me messages on a weekly basis, maybe even frequently than that, about how there's a dog next door releasing its bowels on our grass, on our driveway. Currently, to date, I've gone next door and spoke with the owners. They seem to uh, assure me that this will never happen again, although it still happens. I've been researching it. I think another option might be setting up a small fence in the front of the yard um, or maybe setting up a phony or real camera. I don't think the real camera with the expense, but maybe even a phony camera would deter the poop. Um, I went to the town. They, you know, they seem to have no answer, um, no real answer at least. So my question to you is what, what do I do with this dog poop issue? Weekly poop, bowels. Hope everyone listening to this is listening during their lunch break. Uh, I guess at least the dog's regular. I mean, probably been consuming its fiber. Maybe has a Belvita here and there. Uh, anyway, I wouldn't set up a camera. I mean, even if you get the footage, I don't know what you do with that. Post it on YouTube, embarrass the dog. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do there. But I'll try to give you two answers here. One, for your specific situation, and two, how we handle this kind of crap with our tenants and their dogs. Number one, seeing as how landmines probably aren't an option, at least those not left by the dog. I mean, they're planting landmines in your yard, but imagine you can't place the explosive ones there. Um, You can tell the tenants that if it's that much of a concern, then you give them permission to pay for a fence. If you're feeling nice, you can probably help them with that cost. Um, maybe barbed wire. Assume that's not going to go over well with the neighbors or the township, though. A fence, you would think, would keep the dog out, but to be honest, I don't like paying for stuff that way. Um, that's for kind of a specific situation. That's sort of overkill. I mean, I imagine the municipality fines for this, even though you said that they didn't really give you much help. Um, you could try to get your tenants to take a picture and then send it to the municipality and see if they can fine for it. Really, though, I've got no clue. You stumped me here. 
I don't really know what to do because you don't have control over this neighbor. They're not your tenant. I mean, the only thing you can do is go to the municipality and hope to find them. Uh, it's a garbage situation to be in. And to be honest, I'd just try to push this on the tenant. They need to figure out how to handle this like an adult, which is usually just talking to their neighbor, um, taking it to a complaint if they have to. But I think the biggest problem here is that you're the landlord and the tenant doesn't understand that just because you're the landlord doesn't mean you can magically fix all their problems. I mean, they've still got to deal with their neighbor, not you. Um, tenants get in the habit of thinking that we're magic as their landlord and can handle everything. But really, I'm just a guy that rents my property to you. I, I'm not a police officer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not any of these things. So tenants got to handle it like an adult. Number two, I'll tell you generally how we handle dogs with the tenants. I know this doesn't help your situation, but it does apply to landlording with pets. Number one, we don't allow dogs in any buildings three units or larger. The barking is obnoxious and noise complaints are just as bad to deal with as this problem that you have right now. Because again, tenants think we're magic. They think just because someone's up late and making noise, we can just stop them from making noise. When really our only recourse is to either find tenants if we have absolute proof that they are being obnoxious and too loud or evict them. And really neither of those are going to stand up or work out very well. So that's kind of tough. So that being said, we only let dogs into single family or two family buildings. Um, then in our lease, because we've had to deal with this before, we have fees for dogs. So for each piece of poop our landscaping guy picks up, he gets a dollar and we build a tenant two fifty per piece. So you get that goddamn log nest monster three fifty? That's pretty much how it works out. Uh don't know if you guys have seen that South Park episode, but that's that's uh <laughs> kinda how it kinda how it's worked with tenants complaining about that. They're like two fifty per piece, that's nuts. When we first did this they didn't actually think we were gonna enforce it. Uh and then the one tenant got a bill for hundred and twenty five dollars and no more poop. Um additionally to dogs we do have some stuff that we do with cats. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, litter genie or diaper genie, but it's basically like a bag with a lid. You drop the litter or the diaper in the bag, and then you can put a whole bunch of it in there before you got to empty the bag. They're pretty sweet as long as you take care of them. We had this tenant who, no joke, had like five bags of used litter sitting in a closet. That place smelled... Well, like a litter box, basically. Uh, apparently, the bags were too heavy to take down to the trash, so she just kind of lived with that. Um, I guess she was immune to the smell. I mean, I've got cats, but I couldn't even stand that. So now in our lease, we have a policy that says that if soiled litter is not disposed of promptly, they're charged $50 per bag or per occurrence. Long story short, people are disgusting. Anyway, my friend, good luck to you. Call us back when you reach a resolution so that we can learn from you and talk about how that went because honestly you'll be the pet poop expert after this one hope i don't have to deal with this man <laughs> wish you the best all right great advice from tony let's jump over to ivan with some questions about keeping good tenants hey tony uh this is uh, ivan uh, from pittsburgh uh i was just wondering i know uh, you have uh, rentals yourself so I was just wondering, how do you uh, keep your good tenants? Is there anything extra or special that you do in order to, uh, number one, identify and then uh, keep uh, the, the better tenants? Thanks. 
Hey, Ivan, good question. Uh, we got a couple things. Uh, good tenants, I mean, you got to kind of define that too. I'm looking at, uh, I mean, you got the people who, who pay. That's, that's step number one. You got to pay to be a good tenant. Step number two is somebody who's reasonable in their requests. When you're looking at a good tenant, you're kind of thinking about somebody who does let you know of maintenance concerns, but not somebody who's concerned about every small little thing going on in the house. I mean, somebody who can't live with something stupid and small, they're kind of a pain in the butt. So when we find somebody who's a good tenant who kind of meets both those criteria, we try to keep them as much as we can. So a few things, a few tips. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we do. But number one, just customer service in general. When they call with a concern or something, make sure you're handling that promptly and communicating with well, well with how you're dispatching the repair or answering the question or anything stupid like that. Don't take like five days to respond. Usually within 24 hours is the standard, and the standard is the standard. Number two, when we find a good tenant that's been in there for two years or so, at the end of their lease, we'll usually give them an option for an upgrade, like something under $500. We'll say, you know, if you want new flooring in one area, we had one tenant ask for a light above their sink, uh, air conditioner units, window air conditioner units, stuff like that, stuff that's not too bad what we can do for them, uh, we'll, we'll usually do one upgrade to their unit. That also helps kind of keep the unit modern. So instead of having something that we got to completely gut and take care of, we got it kind of being updated as the person's living there. So if they do move out, it's good to go. And then number three is when we give the rent increases, we're really only basing those on market rent. So we send out, if we do send out a rent increase, we usually send them a rentometer report or rentometer, however you say that. I say rentometer, but apparently I sound like an idiot when I say that. So rentometer, um, it says, hey, this is the market rent for your size unit. We're increasing your rent. Uh, you're welcome to go look around, but we know that you're still under the market rent, what it is now. We usually try to keep them maybe 10 or $15 under because moving is quite honestly a pain in the ass. Nobody wants to stuff their stuff in a truck, move it, carry it upstairs and everything for no good reason. So those are three tips to kind of help you out. But just generally be thinking customer service. I mean, as a landlord, you're not fully in the customer service business because there's also some uh, times you need to be tough and enforce the rules and things like that. But remember that the tenants are your customers. So you got to treat them as well as possible. Keep them around. Keep them happy. Hope that helps. Um, as far as identifying them, we could do a whole other question about that. So we'll probably follow up on that during some kind of screening question eventually, something like that. So just keep paying attention to the show and hope to hear again from you soon. All right. So to summarize, we're going to be responsive and give good customer service to our tenants. We're going to do a yearly uh, improvement with some budget yep. around their year-end renewal. And when we increase their rent, we're going to try and give a market report and make sure they understand they're well below market rates. Yeah, well, not well below. <laughs> Ten bucks. Yeah. We're, we're talking a small amount. Here. Yeah, that's uh, that's a uh, that's helpful. Uh, the numbers are always helpful, though. Yeah. I, actually, I have a question for you. So, shoot, we're thinking about this for one of our tenants, and we're th we we like this person, and we're thinking about giving them some responsibilities in exchange for reduced rent, shoveling snow, cutting grass, and actually showing units uh, when they come up as vacant. Uh, have you done that? Do you think that's a good idea? 
Um, to an extent. So you don't want to make them a little too much of an employee be, or something like that. Like right. get, you can give them responsibilities specific to the property, uh-huh. but I wouldn't take it further than that just because you're going to have problems with identifying with them too much. And if you've got a difficult situation, it's going to be hard to deal with them. But just giving them stuff like shoveling the snow and mowing the lawn, we do that with our tenants, just like a small reduction in rent monthly. Um, the only thing to keep in mind is that when we do have them do the lawn care, we make them buy the lawnmower and the gasoline and we give them a credit because if it's our lawnmower and it's not properly maintained and something happens, like they cut their foot or something stupid, then you can be held liable for Mm -hmm. that. So you don't want that to happen. This is not legal advice. Like you can talk to a lawyer if you want, but just like CYA, make them buy the lawnmower and just credit them back for the cost or whatever. Um, shoveling snow. I don't have anyone shovel snow. Like as an employee, like I don't pay somebody. It costs like a hundred dollars a month to have a contract or more with somebody just to come shovel. So I just make one of the tenants do that for like a twenty dollar discount in rent, something like that. Um, showing the units. I guess that depends how much you trust the person. You have to be careful with what they say because they're not a licensed, uh, not a licensed agent, so they're not allowed to negotiate terms of the lease they're not allowed to even talk about money or term or anything like that all they can really do is open the door you could give them a sheet like a printed sheet that says how much rent is and everything like that they could give that to the prospective tenant but when the tenant asks a question they pretty much just have to say like here's the landlord's info yeah talk to them okay um because at least in pennsylvania there's pretty strict rules on leasing for a unit that you don't own got it all right, it's time to wrap this week's episode. So, Tony, let's talk about something that you learned this week that our listeners should know about. I learned that John doesn't like to wear his headphones when questions are answered. <laughs> no, uh, I learned, well, re- reiterated to myself, I can say that word too, Yeah, um, yeah. to hire a professional for the right job. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we were trying to save some money. We thought that... Uh, Replacing a couple of valves would be a pretty easy job for our handyman, so we gave it to him, and uh, it was leaking at 3 a.m., Oh, so that was cool, and we were actually on a trip up to nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, didn't have cell service, so I had to wait at the gas station. I stopped there at, like, midnight until, like... 3 a.m. because it was the only place that had Wi-Fi for me to receive an emergency call from a plumber. Wow. So we basically sat there, and my wife was much pleased about this situation. I'm sure. But I was basically like, yo, you want financial independence? This is what it looks like. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, I guess it could also look like you having a property manager and not that's a conversation for a different day um so yeah i mean we saved a solid 50 dollars installing the valves and then paid a solid probably upwards of 300 dollars uh didn't look at the bill yet but yeah the emergency call probably cost that so that's what i learned relearned yeah man should it make the mistake another time yeah uh for how about you yeah, for us, we, oh boy, a lot of learnings lately, but probably the best one is we had a unit um, that we had someone basically under contract for, 
and then they backed out. So we kept the security deposit. It was under contract for a lease. For a lease, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Uh, we had a tenant moving in, basically. And we had their security deposit cleared and everything. Um, and then they backed out. So then we had to remarket the place. And we kind of turned down the heat and, like, did some stuff you do. And then when the tenant was moving in, I was trying to turn on the HVAC. And it wasn't kicking on. And, like, all these other little issues. And we should have just done that two days before the tenant moved in. So basically, like, two days before the tenant starts up, go in the unit, make it tenant ready, turn on the stove. Make sure everything works. Yeah, kind of a no-brainer. But, like, you know, there's a flickering light bulb. There's just this dumb stuff. Uh, and that's how I, you know, that's how I had to spend some of my weekend because, you know, it was like an emergency kind of a thing. It wasn't, you know, stupid. You're, is this the one you live next to? I mean, yeah, all our properties are within. But I mean, is this the one that you like physically live next to? The house hack that you have? Is that the tenant that was moving in? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, no. Okay, weird tip on my end yeah. is that like we house hack, so we've got a unit next to us too. And uh, I will actually sometimes take a shower in the like if it's a new shower or yeah. like whatever if it's just freshly cleaned uh, just like i'll go down and out. i'll take one because i live there so whatever it's real yeah, easy yeah, yeah. that way i know that it drains right there's no leaks use the place like somebody actually uses it like i'll take a pot of water and i'll boil water on the stove to make sure the stove's working yeah puts like a something in the fridge just like test it out because Inevitably, after somebody moves in, you get like four or five maintenance requests that are just dumb stuff. Super true. Yeah, we've lived in every one of our units in that. Uh, I should save this for another episode, but the other thing we learn every time is like, there's always something you're like, oh, I should really like bulletproof this thing. Like one yeah. little valve drips or something. You're like, ah, it's fine. Just do it while you're in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. then it's always easier when the person's not there. Right. Because then, then you don't got to move their crap. Nothing's getting ruined. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yep, cool. kind of goes back to your actual advice. It's like if you're gonna do it, do it right, basically. So, yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's send them out. Cool. See you guys. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want more, check us out at be free re on Instagram, and let us know what you thought. Stay free.